Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to that wonderful passage in Luke chapter 2. My desire really is to continue the thoughts of that song that was just sung as we consider who Christ came for. And as we go to the Word of God, let's go to Him in prayer. Let's remember that there are many who, during this time of year, suffer greatly from, uh, from loss, loss of loved ones, loss of family. Let's go to the Lord and pray as a congregation. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to come. Lord, we thank you that your invitation is for the unfaithful. Lord, we come before you this morning as a church, not because we have earned some kind of righteousness. We come before you this morning not offering to you any kind of good work that we have done in our own strength. Lord, we come before you as sinners and as a congregation of sinners who desperately need Jesus Christ. Lord, we rejoice as we remember the truths of these passages that remind us that you came for people much like us. Lord, we consider those who are not with us this morning as many are traveling today. Lord, we pray that you would bless. Bless as they go and spend time with family and loved ones. Lord, we pray that this Christmas season would be a time of rejoicing, not just because we remember what you have done in the past, but because we look forward to what you have promised to complete. Lord, we pray especially this morning for those who are suffering physically. We pray for David Cassidy this morning, and Lord, though complications have arisen from his surgery, we thank you that he is stable. Lord, we just pray that you would allow healing to take place so that he can come home soon. We pray for Danielle as she cares for him, that you would strengthen her, that you would give her encouragement from your word. We pray for Christine as she heads into another treatment on Monday. And Lord, we just pray that these treatments would be effective. And then, Lord, as she moves on to heavier treatments, we pray for strength and we pray for encouragement. We thank you that Diane will be able to be with her to help. Lord, we just pray that you would cause the family to know you in a special way as they go through this deep struggle. Lord, we pray this morning for... Darlene Vickers' grandsons, Lord, as some are struggling physically and others are struggling spiritually, Lord, we pray that you would do a work in their hearts and in their bodies and in their minds. We pray for this one that is missing, Lord, that they would, he would return home. We pray that he would submit himself to the gospel and come to know you as Savior. Lord, we pray for the many who will be going through this Christmas season without loved ones, without family members, without spouses. Lord, we pray that this season would give them great hope, great hope as they put their confidence in Jesus Christ, hope of that home in heaven that is promised to all those who know you as Savior. Lord, may the songs of Christmas and may the memories of loved ones come together to create in us a desire for your return. Lord, we do pray as a congregation that during this season you would give us boldness to proclaim this good news, that you have come for those who desperately need a Savior. Lord, we pray that as we go through the passage of Scripture this morning, 
you would impress upon our hearts the truth of the message that the angels brought that was not just for shepherds, but it was for people in Myrtle Beach. It was for people in this building. Lord, cause us to rejoice in what you are doing through Jesus Christ, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. While you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we'll go ahead and dismiss the children, four years old to fourth grade, if you want to head on out. Christmas is a wonderful season for us to be teaching our children. I hope that you are taking extra effort to teach your children the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of Christmas, the truth of eternity, that Jesus is coming again. Remembering those passages we read this morning, I hope you're able to delineate that we are reading many passages this morning that have not yet been fulfilled, but that speak of the second coming of Christ when he will return and rule and reign over all, and how there will be perfect peace as his government continues to increase in the lives of believers. Luke chapter 2 is that wonderful passage that many of us have memorized as we consider Christmas And yet it comes to this point in in, in verse 8 is where we'll pick up. In verse 8, it says they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Fear. Fear is something that we don't necessarily associate with Christmas. Uh, This year in our school, our theme has been that Faith cancels fear, and so as I was reading through this passage, it just jumps off the page that this is probably one of the most prominent aspects of why faith cancels fear is found in this passage of Scripture. And with these shepherds, shepherds were not, uh, you know, they were not fearful people. Shepherds had to spend their nights outside. Shepherds had to be with animals, and and these would not have been easily frightened people. We know from David's testimony of watching sheep as a child. So a lot of times the watching of sheep got delegated to children because it was a menial task, and it it wasn't disrespected, but it wasn't a, uh, well, it wasn't your white-collar job, right? And, And if you were a somebody, it wasn't a shepherd. And these, these shepherds were out in the field watching their flocks at night. You remember David, as he watched the flock, a lion came and he killed it. I mean, that's, that would cause fear, especially for those of us who don't see wild animals, right? And a bear came and he killed that bear. And so the, the shepherds of the day were not easily scared and they, they, they had to deal with the aspects of darkness and night and animals and those things. So they had pretty strong nerves, but it says this, that the angel of the Lord came unto them, and they were sore afraid, and that's the King James way of saying it, but if you go to the Greek, it says, and they were frightened with a mega fright. The word mega is a Greek word. It just talks about how they were over the top frightened, but they're going to use that word again later on. Uh, We're going to use that word mega later on as they go through the passage. Why would, why would, a shepherd be frightened by an angel. I mean, we've all seen the nativity, right? These angels are beautiful creatures, and they've got wings. Uh, we can't tell if they're male or female from the nativity set, right? Uh, and it just all looks so nice. But let me just tell you, that's not what angels were or are. 
Right? In fact, when you read through the scripture, when angels appear, oftentimes they come in the form of a man, but they are frightening creatures. And in fact, the most, uh, the most uh, typical response when an angel shows up is that the people fall down on their faces, scared to death. I, I just want to re- uh, remind you of some of uh, the, the angels that have shown up in scripture, right? So, so let me just read to you about these angels from Ezekiel chapter 1. And just tell me how you would respond if it came to your house tonight, right? So Ezekiel 1 says, And out of the midst there mist, sorry, out of the midst there came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. As for the likeness of their faces, the, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they had Four, and, and they four had fa- the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. So if you met a being of great power with four faces, a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle, what would you do? Oh, the angels are here. Yay. No. It's frightening. This angel is special, though. Uh, it says the angel of the Lord and and in the Bible, even in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is delineated as a different, uh, different than a regular angel. The, the word angel means messenger, and they go out and carry out God's business, but the angel of the Lord seems to be God himself coming in the form of an angel. When it talks about the angel of the Lord, oftentimes people think this is a pre-incarnate or pre-birth appearance of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord is a fearsome creature. In fact, he went through, it says in 2 Kings, he goes through in one night the enemies of Israel, and kills 185,000 soldiers. Uh, Just 185,000 is much larger than any um, NFL stadium you've ever seen. And this angel goes through, and he he is a fearsome creature. He is a powerful creature. And the angel of the Lord shows up to these shepherds, which may have been just teenagers on the side of this hill, and they are scared with a mega fear. They are scared to death. You know, there's something else to be afraid of, though. Consider this. This is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Is that something that should cause us fear that God is with us? I mean, we are talking about the holy God. The one who is sinless. The one who is totally separate from sin. The pure and righteous one. We are talking about the creator of all. The one who speaks a word and into being comes everything out of nothing. God is with us. We are talking about who the Bible calls the righteous judge, the one who knows all the choices of men, the one who holds every man's work in a balance, the one who sits on the judgment seat. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This is who is coming to earth. God himself, I would say that is more frightening than an angel. The fact that the all-knowing, all-holy creator, judge of the earth is coming to earth. And he knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. He knows what you think. 
He knows your downsitting. He knows your uprising. He knows your thoughts afar off. That God has come to earth. And he is now with us. This is a dreadful and fearful thing. We know this because God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And and there was wonderful fellowship. And then Adam and Eve sinned. And what happened when God... The all-knowing, God, the all-powerful, God, the creator of life. What happened when God came to walk with Adam and Eve after they had sinned? They had run and hid themselves because they were afraid. It's a fearful thing to think that God is coming to earth, and now God is with us. This is a terrifying thing for those who have sinned, and we know from the Bible that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. So what is the remedy for this fear? Well, faith, we say, cancels fear. And so the angel says, fear not, for I'm going to tell you good tidings of great joy. I'm going to tell you, and the word there is the Greek word for the gospel. The word we get our word evangelize. I'm going to give you the gospel. I'm going to give you the good news And what is the good news? He says, unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is, in that phrase, the greatest message that has ever come to man. The knowledge that is given in this phrase, in these words, will remove all fear and totally transform those who are afraid. In that small message, there is enough power to take Sinners who are fearful and transform them into non-fearful, joyous proclaimers of good news. In that phrase. I would say that it also true, uh, just like it was true on the mountainside that day for the shepherds, it is true for all of us who are here. This is the greatest message that has ever come to mankind. Unto you a Savior has come. And so the removal of fear then hinges on the knowledge of two things. Who is the Savior and who are the you? Right? In this phrase, it says, unto you is born this day a Savior. So who is the Savior and who are the yous that he came and was born for? Well, we see that a Savior is born. But there had been many leaders in Jerusalem. There had been many leaders in Israel that had risen And tried to free the people of Israel. They had gathered together some people, a following of people. And Rome had squashed them and had killed them. And there were many innocent Jews that would be killed uh, as collateral damage of these zealots who would rise up and try to save God's people. So we don't just want a Savior because we've seen people who... We've seen messiahs, quote-unquote messiahs, arise in Israel and get totally destroyed. And so the angel gives more information, right? He says a savior, which is what? Christ. Christ the Lord. Christ. The word Christ means the appointed one or the anointed one. This is the accepted one of God. This is the messiah. Every Jew knew who the Messiah was. These shepherds on the hillside, they knew what was being said because they knew the scriptures. They knew what the Old Testament writers had said. They too were looking for the day when Israel would once again be exalted. They were looking for freedom. They were looking for deliverance. 
This would not be a random leader. This would be the leader that God chose. All the Old Testament prophecies would be behind this leader. He would be sent by God, accepted of God, and would carry with him then the power of God. The word Christ was not something they threw around haphazardly. This was Christ, but it gives more qualification on this Christ. It says, Christ the Lord. The deliverer would not just be the appointed and anointed of God, it would be God himself. The word Lord means the one who is over all. No one could stand against this Savior because he was the appointed, anointed deliverer that is God himself. In fact, this leader would have so much power that as we read earlier Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there would be no end. To order it, to establish his kingdom with judgment and with justice forever. And then it says this, the zeal of the Lord, this would be Yahweh, the zeal of God himself will perform this. This Savior is Christ the Lord. Christ the anointed one. By the way, this is the only one who could carry out the salvation for the use unto you. There's only one person who can pay for man's sin. There is only one person who was sinless who could pay for the sins of another. There was only one person who was infinite and could infinitely suffer for your sin. Because your sin is an offense against an infinite God, and God is never okay with sin. And so one must suffer infinitely for not just your sins, but for the sins of all. Unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So now we just need to know the you. Who are the yous in this passage? Obviously, the shepherds are standing there. Who are the you? But we find out through the New Testament that the you is actually much more than shepherds. But we find that the you does not include all people. You see, because I don't know if you listen to Christmas music, like we have one of those Alexas, you know, the government-issued things that listen to you. My kids say things all the time to the government. Hey, you need to check out my dad. Anyway, so you, you may play Christmas music, and it's amazing to me the words of Christmas songs, right? Because they're so scriptural and so missed. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And what we do is we cut off, we cut off Jesus and God, and we cut off sin and sinners, and we say, peace. Oh, it's so peaceful. It's Christmas time, the most peaceful time of year, right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to those on whom God's favor rests is actually the wording. So who are the you? Jesus comes and he he actually specifies very clearly who the you are. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Jesus is, is calling his disciples and he calls a guy named Levi. Right? We actually know him as Matthew. Okay, and, and, and he was a tax collector. 
He was a, he was a, a wealthy guy and, and probably not too loved. There was another tax collector in, in the New Testament named Zacchaeus, and everybody hated him, right? And so here, God calls Levi, and Levi says, well, I, I'm, uh, he was a man of means, it seems like, because he throws a party, and he throws a party for his friends. And guess who are the friends of, of tax collectors? Losers, according to the Pharisees, bad people, right? And so the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they're like, how can you eat with publicans and sinners, the riffraff, Myrtle Beach people. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive. Sorry, anyway, uh, I know I just offended some people, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, verse 15, it says, It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, that would be Levi's house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, Well, he's going to tell them the you of Luke chapter 2. He says this, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but... What? I'm sorry, what? But sinners to repentance. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. And then Paul goes on and says, I am the chief of sinners, of whom I am chief. Romans chapter 5 and 8, you, verse 8, you note it says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet... Are you getting it? Do you see who the yous are? Do you see who Christ came for? He came for sinners. This Messiah, this chosen one of God, this, this Lord over all, this God himself person came for one type of person, sinners. Sinners. <laughs> I'm just glad it's this group here today because that would be us, right? That would be all of us. All have sinned. Those who have broken God's law, he came to those who needed a savior. This is where this Christmas story gets personal, right? Because this guy, this preacher, is a sinner. And I take no pride in that fact, but I do take great hope in the truth that God came to earth for me, a sinner. I rejoice not in my sinfulness, but in the love and grace that brought the Creator to earth to seek and to, sa to, seek and to save this sinner. What happens next is amazing. The shepherds aren't told to go anywhere, are they? It just The, the angel just says, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, hurry, go to the manger, right? No, they said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to those on whom God's favor rests. And they were gone. They were gone. 
The, the shepherds, man, I, you know, there's, we talk about scenes in the Bible that maybe we could go back and visit one day. I think this would be one of them, right? And you know what happened? These, these, these shepherds who were petrified in fear understood the message. You know how we know they understood the message? Because they came with haste. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Think of it this way. I, I, I try to put myself in a situation or think about it this way. And what if someone, what if an angel were to come into this building, right, this room right now? I'm pretty sure we would all fall down on our faces and, and be scared to death. And he said, Don't be afraid. God is here. He's in the gymnasium. It's the closest thing I could find to a, a stall. It smells like one over there, you know? And anyway, God is in the gymnasium. Glory to God. What happens next? Oh, don't be afraid. But God is in the gym. What would you do? And I, I, I would love to say that as the preacher, the guy who reads the Bible and preaches it, I would be bolting out that door. And as I would turn the corner, I'd see light coming from the gym. This is real, right? And so I'm going to stop by the bathroom real quick. I'm going to meet God. And as I stop by the bathroom and look in the mirror, I straighten my tie and there's something on my lips. And I look closer and there's words on my lips. It says liar and deceiver. I can't see God like that. And as I look closer, there's other things on my face. Tattoos, as it were, of sins that I have committed. Disobedient. Unjust. Unholy. Adulterer. Murderer. Lustful. Angry. Hypocrite. I'm not going to the gym. No way. This is, this is who I am. This is, he knows this, and I can see it. But, but the angel said, fear not. You know what it takes? It takes some belief, doesn't it? It takes some belief that a Savior has come. By the time you're out the door, you might stop by the bathroom as well, and you'd actually find me curled up under the sink, hiding. This is our God. Our God has come to man, but he came as a savior. And he came as a baby. And he came in a stall. And you know who these you know what these lowly shepherds did? They believed. And they made haste. And they came and they found the savior. You see, unto Mark Rowland is born this day a Savior, God himself, come in the flesh. It's interesting, there's a verse in John, John chapter 8 and verse 56. Jesus is speaking and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Why would Abraham see the promise of Jesus Christ coming? And rejoice. You know why? Because Abraham was a liar. 
Abraham was a liar who threw his wife in great danger. Moses rejoiced to see the coming of Jesus Christ. Why? He was a murderer. David rejoiced to see God's coming because he was an adulterer. Rahab rejoiced. She was a prostitute. Paul looked back on the day that Jesus came and he rejoiced. And he said, I am the chief of sinners. You see, the shepherds never would be invited to Herod's palace. The shepherds would never be able to even go in the temple, let alone the holiest of holies, where God's presence exists. And yet God came to them, and God comes to us. And he comes to us in Myrtle Beach. And he comes in an approachable way. And he says, I am come to save you. He seeks and he saves sinners. Liars. Deceivers. Murderers. Adulterers, proud, arrogant, angry, religious hypocrites. This is who our God has come to. Emmanuel came to a lowly place, to lowly people in lowly estate, because you are a lowly sinner. Is it personal? This is the message of the gospel. This is the glorious truth of God coming. And, and I, I've heard it say this way. I don't know. I mean, it may seem cliche, but if Mark Rowland was the only sinner on earth, God had promised before Adam and Eve, God had promised to come and save that, that guy, that sinner. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, God knew that Mark Rowland would be a sinner and know what kind of sin and every sin and how he would do it, and how he would do it over and over again. And, 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 and God says, I'm going to save. I'm, gonna, I'm coming for him. Don't fear. Don't fear. Unto you is born this day a Savior. And it's not just any man. This is Christ the Lord. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look what happens when fear is replaced by faith. Verse 15. When fear is replaced by belief, something changes. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass that the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They ran. They ran to Jesus. And, and listen, that is the Christmas message. The Christmas message is this. If you recognize that you are a sinner, run to the Savior. Do you recognize that you're a sinner? And, and what I mean by that is not, do you know that you've done wrong? Because we all know that. The, the truth is this, recognizing that you are a sinner is recognizing not only that you have done wrong, but that you cannot change it. And you are condemned for it. I've met people who say, well, sure, I'm a sinner. Big deal. Aren't we all? 
And that's the end. That is not who Jesus came for. Jesus came for those who are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus came for those who would believe that he was the Savior. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah, just take a long look in that mirror. And you'll find every Ten Commandment broken and tattooed to your face. You are the sinner. Like Paul, you actually can say, I am the chief of sinners because I know my sin more deeply and personally than anybody else's sin on this planet. That's who Jesus came for. That's salvation that is offered. Jesus looked at those Pharisees who thought, not that they were perfect, they never thought they were perfect, but they thought they were doing enough good to take care of their wrongs. And Jesus said, you think you're good. You think you're okay. I did not come for you. By the way, many Pharisees will get saved by the end of John, the the book of John. Many Pharisees will come and be saved, but they had to come away from what they thought they could do to balance out the bad with the good. And they had to come to a point where they recognized, I am sinful, and he came to save me. And And then fear is replaced. Fear is replaced. Well, look what the shepherds do, right? I love this part of the story. This, a couple years ago, this was like an epiphany to me. Right? So, so they run to Jesus and they see him. And they go out in verse 17. It says, and they made known abroad the amazing manger scene. Did you? The cattle were lowing. And the baby didn't awake. And that little baby, no crying he made. Is that what they said? What, what did they, did they say? It's, it was amazing. We, there was like a halo and light and a dove and a star. No, did, you know, they actually didn't talk about their experience. Look, look at the statement. Look at what God's word tells us that they went out and talked about. What did they talk about? The statement that was made to them by the angels. What is that statement? Yeah, it's like one sentence. You, you could memorize The entire gospel today. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what the shepherds went out and said. You know why? Because everybody they talked to was a you. You're the you. Jesus came for you. I know you're a sinner. Jesus came for you. They... They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. This child is Christ the Lord. Let me tell you this. We get all bent out of shape and and frustrated and, and worried and scared and timid because we think about if we mess up giving the gospel, somebody, I'll just mess it up and so I'll just sit here quietly. You think these, these shepherd teenagers were like eloquent? Do you think they even smelled good? These shepherds went out and they said simply what was told them by the angels. They told simply what they believed. Unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. You know, you could go around today or this week as you shop and say, hey, I just want you to know that Christmas is about the fact that unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. See ya. 
I mean, maybe not do it that way, but you know. You know what the gospel is? The gospel, you know, Paul's writing and the disciples that wrote, the, 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 the apostles, all the writing and revelation, all that stuff about what's going to happen in the end of the world. You take it all and you cram it together and you, you know what it says? Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I know that Savior. You should know that Savior. You throw a person shopping right off. They'll forget what they were in the, in, you know, coming for. Are you a sinner? Oh, Jesus came for you. Ask him that. Are you a sinner? Yeah, pull him in. <laughs> this is the gospel, people. Why, why are we ashamed of it? Why are we afraid to say anything? I mean, these were shepherds who just went out, and they didn't talk about their experience. They didn't talk about the rushing wind and, and the awesome worship, and they just said, hey, Christ is born. Christ is born. The Savior, Christ the Lord. I hope this morning you know Christ the Savior. But I also hope that you've believed so much so that you are not afraid. Perfect knowledge of God casts out fear. Knowledge of the Savior casts out fear. Some of you, that, those, those, that list of words that I was going through about Mark Rowland, you could add to that in great detail for yourself. And it causes us to cower and to shrink back And we need to recognize that Jesus came for those who were sinful. We don't stand on our sin and proclaim that we're the best sinner that ever sinned. But what we do is we stand on Christ and say, he can save anyone. He can save you. He can remove all fear. And he can exchange it for great boldness and great faith. Do you know the Savior? Christ came for sinners. If you know him, do you proclaim it? Unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Let's pray.